All right, and our next speaker, uh, luckily this is a keynote, so I'm not there to interrupt things, um, but she's all about the power of enterprise to make a positive impact in the world and has gone about creating global businesses to do just that. Please welcome to the stage, Nuanthe Samarakon. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. Let's try again. Good afternoon, everyone. I feel like we've all kind of gotten to know Andre as the days progressed, right? <laughs> I mean, from Knight Rider all the way through to kind of hiding under the blankets to Snoop Dogg to... And the list kind of carries on, but I'm enjoying it. So thank you, Andre. I also just want to acknowledge all the speakers that have gone before me um, and the panellists. Uh, you know, it's just incredible and so heartening to think that we're all here in Aotearoa making such an incredible impact in our own ways, in our own world. And I look around this room and having spoken to a few of you during the breaks as well, just knowing full well that we're all here because we genuinely care. We genuinely care about the worlds we're in. We genuinely care because we want to make an impact in our businesses, in our communities, in our societies, amongst whānau, amongst friends. And as part of all that, that brings us all together, is really that culture, that space that we're in together as people. Because ultimately, we as human beings always gravitate, always lean in to something or a place that is about culture, that is about your own story, it's about your own journeys, but it's about bringing all those things together and just hearing some of the incredible mahi that some of the presenters talked about today just really got me reeling. And I thought to myself, wow. We're in a space and a place in New Zealand and in the world, I believe, where culture is genuinely colliding. When we went into lockdown close to, what, nearly 12 months ago, 18 months ago, we were in a state of shock. We felt that real lack of purpose, that lack of belonging, and that lack of culture where we could come together even as organisations or as businesses or as people and connect with human beings. One of the things I want to sort of start off by asking you all this afternoon is when you walk into a room and you introduce yourself, you normally ask, what's your name? And then generally the question that follows is, where do you come from? Who here mentions the brand name that you represent? How many of you talk about the company you're from? Okay. How many of you talk about where you might come from from a birth perspective, region, city? Okay. How many of you stop and pause and think, oh, how do I actually answer that? Yeah, a few of you. So one of the things I've had to deal with in my life, and I'll share a little bit about my story, is the fact that I was born in Sri Lanka, raised in Scotland, up in Stirling, and then we moved to New Zealand when I was quite young. My name, Nuanthi Treon Summeracone, is quite a tongue twister of a name. And generally when I walk into a room and someone says, what's your name? And I say Nuanthi, they go, ooh. And funnily enough, in New Zealand, a lot of people go, is, is, do, you, do you have a shorter name? Do you have a 
do you have another name? And I'm thinking, but Nuanthi is my name. Now, my friends call me Nui, but those are my friends. Those are my mates. So I always grew up thinking, surely, how do we make culture part of who we are? How do we represent ourselves and be you as part of your name, your brand, but also the organisations you might represent? Because as some of you put your hands up, which is absolutely fair, when you go, where are you from? You might think it's the organisation you represent. And that's partly because as humans, we connect with the brand or the business or the organisation that we work with or work for, that we believe in. I made New Zealand my home, having lived overseas, building my business and coming back here. And for me, living here in Tamaki Makoro was absolutely critical. I love Auckland. I love this place. But one of the things I find sometimes challenging is how cultures are colliding in Auckland and in New Zealand. And sometimes those challenges are quite invisible. And sometimes they are more visible. Culture and culture collision can genuinely shape our worlds. They can sometimes make or break our pathways, our stories, and our journeys. And sometimes, as much as they can be challenges, culture collision will also create an opportunity to make an impact. Make an impact in the world where we genuinely feel a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging. My mother was a teacher. She was a special needs teacher. And so she always spoke to my sister and I and talked about how we as humans come from different backgrounds and are gifted in different ways. But it's about embracing those gifts, embracing the culture that we might bring to around the table. My father... Who, is, who has been in business for pretty much all his life, helped me appreciate business and culture and how important culture needs to be embedded and how we could leverage collision for all the right positives in terms of the way in which we lead people. We talk about diversity and inclusion, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but it really is about how do we leverage culture collision as part of that diversity inclusion. In fact, I always say inclusion needs to be in front of diversity. Without inclusivity, there is no diversity. There is no culture. There is no culture collision or we're not giving permission for culture collision to happen. And without culture collision, we do lack creativity. So the other thing I wanna to talk to you about in terms of culture collision today and the way in which we can tackle culture collision positively is culture creativity. Culture creativity is really about how we could enhance and be our younger selves, be ourselves, and engage in the levels of creativity that we might innately have, but be purposeful in bringing that forward. It is about using creativity to our advantage. And I know we heard a few of the speakers before us talk about creativity and touch on how that links to culture as well. And one of the things we find and research shows that as we get older, as we get more experienced in the world of work, we lose creativity. 
And organisations today attract and bring young people into their businesses as a way of engaging and creating opportunities to build creativity. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the space and the cultural space to invite creativity. Creativity, I believe, is, a, a, is almost a component of social harmony. It allows us to re-engineer what culture is, but also what creativity is, and how important it is that both those things collide. If culture is the background, then creativity should be our object. When I think about the organization that I founded as one of my founding businesses, ICE, which is an acronym for Inspire, Create, and Engage. We work with businesses across New Zealand and across the world, helping them set their place and their space as an organization to readily attract and develop young people so that there is a real relevance for diversity, there is a real relevance for inclusivity, there is a real relevance for equity, and that there is a real relevance for belonging. I feel like sometimes in New Zealand, it's the likes of you and I that can change and shift that dialogue and drive culture creativity and make it as part of our DNA. We've heard some, from some entrepreneurs, we've heard from some founders as well, here in New Zealand and overseas. And one of the things, when you think about technology, when you think about the impact of markets, when you think about the different business practices that happen globally, how do we leverage that level of creativity and build that in to our culture creativity as part of who we are and what we offer? How do you share or allow your children to bring out their levels of culture creativity? Because ultimately, they're the generation that we need to empower and support. Education is no longer linear. Let's take that for, as an example. But culturally, we almost expect every young person to get out there, go to school, get a degree, and then get a job. Right? Does it really have to be that way? Does it have to follow that order? If I look at countries and markets in the UK and in Europe, high school leaver programs, for instance, create culture creativity as a critical part to how organisations, startups and high growth businesses develop new ideas, innovate and also create sustainable skill sets that the businesses or that sector is going to need for their future. Exploring the unknown, generating the big ideas, even connecting the dots, and saving the world from the ordinary, I believe is something we all need to do. Culture Collective, which I believe is the most important part of tackling culture collision. Culture Collective. So, Nakaitiaki, the guardianship, the collectivism. There are many forms of collectivism in society today. When you think about tribalism, socialism, communism, 
even trade unionism. How do we make that more relevant? How do we re-change and re-engineer that conversation around culture collective to ensure that we're all part of that journey and we're all moving it so that we are facing culture collision at the head, at its head, but something that we must do today and not leave it for tomorrow. Culture collectivism, if you think about it from a New Zealand perspective as well, is very real when it comes to how Māori and iwi practices businesses, societies, their own community events, their own functions. And sometimes I find in New Zealand we don't embrace that or we're, we're struggling to have that dialogue because that culture collision is very real. And it is becoming more prevalent. It is becoming more real. The impact that culture collectivism can make to drive culture collision to a place of impact and success is so important. It's a culture collective approach to life. As my father says to me, culture collectivism is like the wind. It is invisible, yet its effect can be felt and seen. When it is blowing in your direction, it makes for smooth sailing. When it's blowing against you, everything is more difficult. Culture Collective needs to happen with a sense of movement, not a mandate. And I want to encourage you this afternoon that when you go back into your organisations, into your own societies, communities, into your own whānau, think about how you want to build up and embrace culture collectivism to drive that level of culture collision that you're going to need for our future, for your children's future and their future. Ladies and gentlemen, I do believe the time is now to hit the refresh button. When you think about culture, when you think about culture collision, when you think about how you could use culture creativity and culture collectivism. Because when the lights and all the camera and the action fades away, if we are to preserve culture and culture collision, each and every one of us here this afternoon needs to preserve, build and create it. Thank you. Kia ora. Thank you very much. You just mentioned something about uh, like the difference between momentum and mandate. Is it possible to have momentum without a mandate, though? Like, how do you set that in place? Great question, Andre. I think it needs to come from within. I think movement needs to be driven by champions around the room, around the space that you're in. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a mandate coming from, the, from leadership or from the top. When you mm -hmm. work with organisations, you know, it's about individuals owning 
a cause or an important aspect to why they are part of that movement and how they could drive and lead through the hearts and minds, but using culture at the forefront. Because mm. we, we, um, we often leave culture behind. It's almost like a, you know, I always say the big C is what's visible and everything else is invisible. And as human beings, we're so comfortable in leaning into that big culture, the big C, because it's just right there. So how do we as individuals take a step back and actually want to feel uncomfortable mm. and drive the movement that might be against that big C or the big culture that's more visible and more prevalent? Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat>